on this episode of Shooting the Shit with Saints. The the, the rumors I really wanted to get into, okay? By golly. (laughs) Oh, Jimmy. You know, we, we thought the security guard comes up. There's a thumping in his room. They're like, oh, he was, Jimmy's taking this bubble shit so serious. He's in there playing with a ball. Oh, but we did not know that his balls were the ones getting played with, right? The one that really came off the top turnbuckle was Ursan Ilyasova. <laughs> Rage. And it's just hilarious. Like, Jimmy and Ursan were teammates. And I never saw Jimmy throw him a oop on the court. He is Lob City up in the bubble. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. I am who I am, my name is my name, and welcome into episode 64 of Shooting the Shit with Sands, your host, Hunter Lee Sands, recording this in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, man, that's where I'm coming to you from, alright, how are we doing today, I'm doing wonderful, off work, got me a little pre-workout drinking shit. Dude, I'm dead ass. My face already looks skinnier. I'm sorry. Y'all probably couldn't hear that. I said my face already looks skinnier. Look at it. My jawline's more defined already. You just gotta be active. Well, really, the the diet that I'm not bullshitting, I've said a hundred times, that 1,500 or 2,000 calorie count a day and under, I mean, it's just a wrap. I looked at this my fitness pal thing and it's pretty accurate because it was accurate the last time I lost weight. Dude, this motherfucker said I'll weigh 192 pounds in nine weeks if I just and I have only worked out three days a week. So, but I the weight is I, I was getting mad so I was like, why is the weight not coming off how I want, right? And then I forgot how my body works. My body don't start shedding pounds. Until I lose the first four, five, the first two weeks. After the first two weeks where it's kind of slow and your body's kind of adapting. It's getting all the toxic out of your fucking body. All the grease, all the alcohol and all that. I will say I will be drinking for the Connor fight. I will be getting fucked up for that fight. Now if he loses, I will not be recording another podcast ever again. Okay. But yeah, I feel good, man. I look good, feel good. I'm already skinnier. Like this, I I literally have lost like what, six or seven pounds? Something like that in a couple weeks. Um, And this, this, I gave this to Nia because it didn't fit me. And my titties are smaller. Oh, it's wonderful. It's great. I look amazing. By the time I go to Tampa, I will be a bad bitch for my homies. (laughs) I will be looking good for the homies. I don't know what it is. I have nobody to impress. I don't know, like. Uh, it's, it is for me. I'm going on another weight loss rant. It is for me, man. I, I don't feel like I'm unhealthy. You know what I mean? I don't feel like I'm obese. I don't feel like I'm anything like that. It's more of like, I want to look how I want to look, you know? 
And I know my destiny. Once again, I am not my friends. I am not a minor league pitcher. I am not Chris, who, I mean, he goes on his spurts of working out, and it looks like he's worked out since he was 17 years old every day of his life. I'm not Taji. Taji can sit on his ass and play video games for 12 hours a day, and he fucking has a six-pack. Now, I can't do the math on that. I'm more like a DJ guy, right? I don't know why I'm comparing myself to like the swollest guy in our friend group. I'm saying I work out so I can eat whatever the fuck I want, right? But now I have the moderation down so I can eat whatever I want instead of six slices of pizza, eat two, okay? We're not going to go into this weight loss thing again. I talk about it every two podcasts, all right? But I'm doing well. I feel better. It's so funny. Like, even just shedding a couple pounds, your body does just start to feel better when you're not putting shit in it, you know? And it is, it's horrible when you go on at eating, like, eating clean for a long time, and then you put the, the waste in your stomach, like I had five guys, and I'm talking about four bites in, my stomach's like, what did you just put inside me? <laughs> what What's going on down here? Something bad is going on, but that's just how I'm doing. How are y'all? Y'all doing good? Good, man. That's wonderful. You know who isn't doing good is Rachel <laughs> Nichols. All right, and I'm going to come out with a hot take here as a white male. And, you know, it doesn't matter what uh, resume I have when it comes to, you know, dealing with black people, right? But mine is a pretty good resume, okay? One, the comments she made, I'm just going to say it. I'm not going to get deep dive in the, into the politics shit. I'm not. But I will say this. One, it's social media. Two, it's uninformed people. And three, it's this, I hate calling them this. I don't call it the extreme left. I call them their actual name, the radical Democrats, right? You know what they do? If anybody says something that is... Like Rachel Nichols, what did she say that made her a racist? I'm not saying her comments were good or or Maria Taylor shouldn't be like, what the fuck is wrong with her, right? But what? why is she being called a racist? Like, that label is just so easily stamped on people nowadays, it fucking kills me. You know what I mean? And in her uttermost rage, am I giving this woman credit for not slurring up the fucking conversation no but if you thought she was a closet racist or whatever that shit's gonna pop that shit is just instinctual by a racist person and she literally goes okay espn the company i work for is not good with diversity okay which is like me and chris said it's most of corporate america right they have a problem with diversity and all these social issues are going on. So she was like, she even said, I understand. She said, I understand. But she was like, I'm not going to be, she was supposed to host the finals. That's her biggest accomplishment of her career. I would be offended too. Is that the way to go about it? No. And is it right that someone has a hot mic and shit? And I know you're like, well, if you say something, if you're going to say stuff like that, just say it to the public. It, who cares if it's a hot mic? You said what you felt. That's true. I'm not debating your point. All I'm saying is 
to me, I, when I open that video, I'm ready to go, oh my fucking God, she's fired. No. She goes, she does football. She does basketball. If they need something else for her to do, then they can find it. But if you're if you're telling me to get replaced and go to be a sideline reporter, it's a no for me, dog. And I agree with that. I wouldn't do it either. I wouldn't do it either. I understand how people got offended by that, I guess. Uh, but once again, I'm not a black person. I can't tell them what to get offended by. But I, 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 I don't know if she is. I'm saying she's not a racist. Anyways, the, the, the rumors I really wanted to get into, okay? By golly. Oh, Jimmy. You know, we, we thought the security guard comes up. There's a thumping in his room. They're like, oh, he was, Jimmy's taking this bubble shit so serious. He's in there playing with a ball. Oh, but we did not know that his balls were the ones getting played with, right? He's the one getting his balls played with in the hotel room by Rachel Nichols. The one that really came off the top turnbuckle was Ursan Ilyasova. <laughs> Rach. Now, are these true? Twitter said it, so yeah. And it's just hilarious, like, Jimmy and Urson were teammates. And I never saw Jimmy throw him a oop on the court. He is lob city up in the bubble. Y'all know how many nasty fucking, sh how much shit happened in the bubble? I don't know if y'all saw this. During the bubble, Donovan Mitchell went live while he was smashing a woman. He was beating cheeks. And he went live for like three seconds. And he turned, what happened in the bubble? I want to know who was in, who was out. Daniel House, ew. Ew. Y'all are nasty. The bubble was so disgusting. That was, That's the grossest championship of all time. And like LeBron said, it was the hardest. Because he's a loyal man. <laughs> He's a loyal man to his wife, and she cannot visit him. <laughs> oh, man. But the Rachel Nichols thing, she has now been taken off the sideline. Because I think this finals, we're going to get into the finals preview and all that shit. I think this finals is going to be wonderful if Giannis even plays at 85 to 90%. If it's that. He hyperextended his knee. It's pretty serious. Um, but if he's 80%, which I think he can be, it's about his lateral movement, not his downhill shit. It's going to be a great series. They took her off the sideline. They're like, uh, yeah, we can't have the finals going. And every time we go to the sideline, Rachel Nichols is there and people just start tweeting Jimmy Butler memes. Like, that's not cool. From the host of the jump to making other things jump in the bubble, man. I mean, I've never seen anything like this and if it is a and by the way she is a married woman her husband looks like a mix of that that youtube guy h3 with like a storm haircut from x-men that's what he looks like to me 
like he looks bananas. And he's ugly as shit. But guess what? He's a film producer. He's a music video producer, director. She fucked She fucked to get in the business. I respect it. It's a power move by that woman. And look where she's at now. She's at the top of the game. Well, now she's at the bottom. <laughs> in both ways. <laughs> Jesus. There's too many jokes. There's too many jokes. Okay. God damn. Oh, Rachel. Oh. You know, a lot of my homies think that Rachel Nichols is fine. I don't. I don't think she's moderately attractive. Okay? Something about her face. I don't know what it is. Uh, Not attracted to her. Whatever. But, God damn. She, she was getting clapped up. Clapped up in the bubble. Ugh, getting her bubble bursted, if you will. I mean, fuck. And then, then Carl Anthony Towns, while we're playing, the uh, the Timberwolves says, and it's on a hot mic, not a hot mic, but a mic on the court. You know how during the bubble, it was like, uh, before we got like past this COVID shit, and they started letting people into the stands, you could hear everything on the court. It was so dope. He goes, call Rachel Nichols. And Jimmy and him hate each other. And they looked at each other on the free throw line. And Jimmy started dying laughing. <laughs> oh, Jimmy. But you have to see this from my point of view. I wake up and see my franchise player all over Twitter. I just see trending Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, when he sees Rachel Nichols, I'm like, what? Then I click on it. And here we are. Well, that's going to be a fun one during the season. The shit talk Jimmy's going to go through with that. He will have no more ESPN interviews, no doubt. Him and Rachel Nichols cannot make eye contact again. And if I'm being honest, I'm not... Like, I do love the Twitter sphere, right? But I look at it as fun and jokes. I will say, though, swear to you, during his interviews with Rachel Nichols, there is a weird energy. I'm not, Go look at when he first joined the Heat. And she's asking him about, like, uh, what made you choose the Heat? What happened in the, uh, with the 76ers? All that. It's still a weird energy. And then in the bubble, that was weird. I've never seen a reporter look at a fucking athlete like that. Never. Never in my life. It's very interesting. But Rachel Nichols, man, um, uh, actually, actually feel bad for her. Not with the comments or whatever. Take that how you will. I hate that when, when somebody makes a mistake, we have this tendency to expose all their fucking business, even if it's not related to that. You know, maybe if it was some shit that was related to the Maria Taylor comments, I would be like, okay, whatever. But her getting clapped up, cheating on her husband of 20 years? They got married in 2001. Oh, Jesus. Jesus Christ. If y'all see this guy, I mean, I'm going to put it on the clip, I guess. I'll put it on here. This guy's one of the ugliest humans I've ever seen in my life. He is. So... I don't know where else to go with that. Uh, feeling good, feeling great. 
And, uh, you know, I'm not a cheater, so I cannot relate to Rachel Nichols. But that's what I got for you. I will be right back with some keys to, uh, keys to victory for both teams for the finals, man. Stay right here on Shooting the Shit with Sands. Pretty please. Okay. We are back. So, here in these finals, I think this is going to be one of the better finals matchups we've had in a long time. Right? So, when you go back in time, uh, the Golden State Raptors series, depleted stars, Kevin Durant tears his Achilles, I believe, game two. He comes out on fire. Dropped 14 points in a quarter, I believe. Made his first six shots or something like that. Um, and then tears his Achilles. Go back further than that. You had the Super Team Warriors. Then you had the LeBron duels with the Warriors. Um, and I just think that for almost not a decade, but damn near, we've had just Super Teams in finals. You know, and it's always against a mismatched version of another team. It hasn't been really a, a fun series. And I think that Kawhi Leonard Raptors uh, title is one of the most forgotten titles in NBA history. And I think this one will be too. Uh, now you have two guys who can get a lot of leverage for legacy. With I, I don't think Chris Paul can do anything. Like I've said a hundred times, he's hit his cap on his legacy meter. Now Giannis, on the other hand, I said this on this pod a hundred times. Defensive player of the year, two-time MVP, first-team All-NBA, however many All-Star appearances. I mean, he's done everything someone can accomplish but win a title. And him winning this title, he's what, 26? I think he's 26. He would win a title, I think LeBron and Jordan both won their first titles at 27. So he would win a title before them. Chris Paul's 36. He's at the end of his career, not the best player on his team, but he is the favorite to win finals MVP. And I think it's going to be real hard for him to lose it. Because the media does love Chris Paul, and they should. I think Chris Paul is a, in the locker room, he may seem a little, little harsh, I would imagine. A lot of soft people like Blake Griffin couldn't take that shit. I think James Harden is a little soft. I think he wants to be all buddy-buddy and control everything like he did. That's why Westbrook left. You know, that's why Westbrook left the Rockets. He's like, I don't like how it's ran here. They had this whole report by Tim McMahon, I believe, where Harden would show up to fucking uh, film sessions 35 minutes late, and they're 45 minutes long. That's just disrespectful. You know what I mean? It's, it's disrespectful. I don't care how good you are. You don't see that shit from anybody. Yeah, MJ had his shit where he gambled and all that, and LeBron has an ego, but they're not like that. They put the work in. They're in the gym. They're in film study and all that shit. Probably leading it with the IQs those guys have. Uh, but yeah, I think that the legacy play is all on Giannis. Like I've said, I've said it from the beginning of the season, if Giannis wins a title... I mean, at any point, really, in his career, if he gets one to three titles, if he gets this one, he's a guaranteed top 20 player ever. And that sounds like a wild take until you really look at it and see the projection of his career. And it's probably not smart to project a career, but a guy who plays 82 games a year 
And like I said, I think on the last pod, is going to average at least 25 for the next, what, six, seven? Come on now, man. Shit. Shit. And he's always going to be in the playoffs because he's that good and he has a great coach. But to go in depth in these teams, all right, I'm not going to go crazy. I'm just going to see what I saw from their previous games. I remember that they had two really good ones. The one was on ESPN. Devin Booker got the foul call at the last second. I believe that was that game. Correct? Drew Holiday was in COVID protocol during one of those games. P.J. Tucker hadn't even been traded yet. I was over here dumb as fuck. I forgot that P.J. Tucker got traded. I'm going through the box score. I'm like, P.J. Tucker get hurt? He doesn't get hurt. You have a coach DMP? And then, sorry, the box scores of all the other games pop up, and I click on it. I'm like, oh, some fucking rockets. No duh. So, this is what is going to be so interesting to me, right? Giannis had 40 on them. The game that I remember. Me and Chris talked about it. I went, went and watched the highlights. They were getting paint points like crazy. I will say this. I've been wrong about DeAndre Ayton this whole playoffs. And what I'm about to say may end up being wrong. I think I think he has this newfound confidence. Something has happened. Something like in this playoffs, he's been playing well all year. I'm not I'm not saying he hasn't. During this playoffs when Chris Paul went out, they needed him in campaign to stand up, uh, stand up. Champagne campaign, right? Step up. They need him to step up. And what do he do? I mean, he has been, I don't know the exact numbers. He has to be 15 and 15 during the whole playoffs. 15 and 13, 17 and 13. And it's not an Andre Drummond 15 and 15. He's the third scoring option. And he has moves in the post, scores off pick and rolls, rebounds, important offensive rebounds, gets some extra possessions. And like, he is a skilled, very skilled big man, and he has earned himself a bag. Champions are always overpaid. But in this series, it's going to be tough for him. Brooke Lopez does not look like an intimidating guy. He is, him and his brother, two of the weirdest players in the league. But I'll tell you what, he can fucking play basketball very well. Very, very well. And if if I'm being dead honest, is DeAndre Ayton... A hundred times better than Brooke Lopez? No. A lot of people that are, to me, casual fans, I don't want to say that, people that don't watch as much basketball as me would say that there's probably a big gap between him and uh, Brooke Lopez. I don't think there is. I truly don't think there is. As a fourth option on his team, defensively, I don't think it's close. I think Brooke Lopez is one of the best defenders in the league, and he has, better than Rudy Gobert, he is the best verticality player I've ever seen in my life. What he did to the Heat was insane. Jimmy was going to the hole and just, I'm like, where's the foul? And they show the replay. There is no foul. Jimmy Butler just needed Rachel Nichols <laughs> to take the Heat, okay? That's what he needed. That pussy got us to the finals, man. And you know what? I am still so upset we didn't get a top five seed. So upset. We would be in the fucking 
Eastern Conference Finals at least, man. God damn. So frustrating. God. Where's Rachel Nichols when you need her? Honestly. Fuck. So we're taking care of his kid? No. Get out and about, buddy. Go visit her. Um, and I just kept watching Brooke Lopez, and he was so dominant. I thought that Bam, the reason he looked more dominant than he was, in my opinion, also, even though he was very good on defense, I'm not taking away from him. Bam was such a bitch in that series. I hate to say it. Bam was playing like a pussy. I'm talking about, oh my God, I'm sorry, I have to, I'm going, I'm just going through the playoff series, guys. I know I'm bringing up the heat. I just remember Bam, he's letting him walk to the rim. Bam's like turning his back towards him like he's posting somebody up. There's nobody right there, bro. He's literally under the basket. Shoot it. It's eight feet. It's eight feet. Fucking throw it up there. God. Fuck. And this Bucks team, another thing that I've seen from them, how many times did we say the series was over? Fuck. I mean, against the Nets, they got beat by 50, I think. Wasn't it? I turned it off. It, they were down like 36 when I turned it off in the third quarter. They got demolished. Then the game seven, was that the one where KD hits the foot on the line three shit? Dude. Like, they have just shown so much resiliency through the postseason while the Suns have not even had a challenge, in my opinion. Were, were the Clippers a challenge to you? I didn't see it as a challenge. I didn't. I didn't see any of these teams as a challenge other than when they saw Anthony Davis fully healthy. I was like, they're losing. That's the only challenge I've seen throughout these whole playoffs for the Suns. They People forget they played the Nuggets. They beat the shit out of them so bad. They were just stomping them every game. While Nikola Jokic is over here just like... <laughs> Dude, he is so amazing. He's just over here putting a like 34, 17, and 12 casually losing by 17. I would fucking hate that shit. No Jamal Murray. Uh, uh, a shaky ankle brawn. No AD. Fuck, no Kawhi. I mean... it's It's been a cruise control ser these series. And even without Chris Paul... It... It seemed as though it wasn't that hard. It just did. I think they're a great collective team. And I'm not taking anything away from them. Um, but I don't think they've seen as much adversity as the Bucks have. Even with Trey coming out and putting up 50. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, at 48, right? Uh, but in this series, we have a couple things to look at. I know it took me a long way to get there, but I'm here now. I want to see Devin Booker's efficiency. Because we kind of jumped the gun, including myself, on Devin Booker these playoffs. His numbers are pretty good. And if you look at them from a general player's perspective, they're fucking really good, you know? But we saw the 40-point the triple-double against the Clippers. We saw the Nuggets series. We saw that. But since that second round, even the first round, what have we seen that is overly impressive? saw Patrick Beverly put him in a box. I saw him having a hard time to do anything on those Clippers except for, what, two games? And the, the last game he had 30. He didn't have an efficient night. And he fouled out. So 
Devin Booker has to be efficient. Chris Middleton cannot do this bullshit where he drops 30 but has a 28-point third quarter either. This Suns team is an arsenal of weapons. This is not a couple weapons. This is every lineup. There is multiple dangerous people. A dude that hasn't gotten going and I think could be a key fact. I'm not saying, dude, I'm not saying he's going to win finals MVP. It's just a random guy from a basketball head perspective. Torrey Craig has played like dog shit. Last series, he didn't play well. Terry Craig, Torrey Craig, Torrey Craig. Got to look it up now. But see the the names. I mean, I know who it is. I mean, we all know I know who it is. But um, I think it is Torrey Craig because he played on the Nuggets and I I remember Lucas talking about him forever. All right, sorry to interrupt the pod here. I got to stop doing this in my podcast. I really do. Tory Craig. That that is his name. That that is his name, Tory Craig. I knew it. Don't know why I had to look it up. Anyways, um I think he's a 3 and D guy that is not played well, and he's just another piece of the puzzle. I'm not saying he's going to play like Jay Crowder, but he has the potential to go on, you know, those those little stretches. Those he's in, he puts up 10 to 12 points. That is a very good 12 to 15 minutes for him. But to me, we have to look at how do the Bucks defend the three? Because all I've seen them do every series, other than the fucking net series, is the drop coverage. We saw Shaq and fucking Kenny yelling about it. I told y'all the whole series against the Bucks with the Heat. We are missing wide open shots the whole series. Like, if you really go back and watch those highlights, I wish it, or watch the whole games. I know you're not going to. Who the fuck would watch a sweep in a 40 point point, point margin? <laughs> like, who's going to go watch that? I have. Um, you're not going to go watch it, and that's fine. But I'm telling you, it's a lot of missed open shots or shots that you think are very makeable for NBA players. I want to see how they, they play that. I want to see how the Bucks do it. Because if you play drop coverage on Chris Paul, he's, he is, him and D-Wade are the best pick and roll players I've ever seen in my entire life. They know what you're about to do, and right when you take an inch of a wrong step, they attack you the, the proper way. If you do drop coverage on Chris Paul, he's not going to take a lot of threes. He's going to take a couple dribbles inside and see if y'all are switching or staying, or... If he can just take a couple dribbles and pull up for a midi, he's going to do that the whole game. And I want to see what Chris Paul looks like too. Biggest stage of his entire career. A lot of playoff. Not no shows from Chris Paul. Not showing up in the right moments, I would say. Like what is a bad game for Chris Paul? For real. Worst we've seen him this Playoffs, he was hurt. He's also had he had a tough time against the Clippers as well, and it's not gonna get any easier against the Bucks, man. That's what's so fortunate for Giannis. That that is what he can kind of hang his hat on. Who does he have to guard on the Suns? Who? Dre Crowder? Is that who he's guarding? Do they do a small lineup? Make Aiden guard somebody outside maybe? And have Giannis in the middle? I don't know. 
I think what Coach Bud does is never in the first couple games. That's why, to me, he's lost a lot of series. He goes, okay, it didn't work this game. Let's try it next game. We're down 2-0. Fuck. Haven't they been down 2-0? I think they were down 2-0 to the, the Nets, right? I thought they were about to lose the Hawks series. Came back and blew them out, obviously, but... He always takes a while to adjust. But these adjustments against Monty Williams, that's what's that's what's so cool about this. Monty Williams has adjustments in his bag, too. We haven't had to see him, though. And maybe he doesn't. Maybe I'm guessing. I think he's a damn good coach, though. Like, what is Aiton going to do if they pull out a small lineup? I want to know what, what happens there. You know what I mean? I I, I have to see it. I have to see how this is what makes NBA series so fun most of the finals. I want to see who's guarding Devin Booker. Is it Chris Middleton or is it Drew Holiday? Do they want the length on Chris Paul and the strength on on Devin Booker to get him out of the paint and get him out of the mid-range? Kind of throw him off his game? Make him earn the shit? It's so interesting to me. There's all these little pieces. Who is P.J. Tucker going to guard? Maybe P.J. Tucker has some time on Devin Booker since he's good with guarding guys who are jump shot heavy like Kevin Durant. And I'm not saying he locked down Kevin Durant. Dude, there's only as good a defense as a human can fucking play, okay? And KD is the perfect example of that. Bro, if... Do y'all remember that game where Shane Battier was playing on Kobe in his fucking hand? <laughs> Literally every time Kobe shot it. I have never seen a man perfectly place his hand on another man's, the the point of his nose, more than I saw Shane Battier do that night. I have re-watched those highlights, so there's just some you go back to, right? Mine are LeBron James, Game 6, Game 5, Game 6, Game 7 of the 2016 Finals, random D-Wade, I'll watch a fucking 17-point D-Wade highlight, um, Kobe Bryant versus the Jazz when he got critiqued in the media. He comes back and drops 43, 44, something like that. Um, and just kills the Jazz. And then I saw that game where Meta World Peace is over here in Kobe's face. And I start watching the highlights to this series. And Shane Battier is just getting his ass wet up. That's as good a defense as you can play. And I think P.J. Tucker can do that to Devin Booker. I think he can. I think Devin Booker gets to the hole a little bit more than KD. But at the same time, he don't want to, just like KD. You get what I'm saying? So, I think it's just going to be interesting, and I think driving lanes are going to be really hard for the Suns to come by. They don't have a lot of guys who can take it off the dribble. Like, create plays. There's not a lot of that. You know? They got two guys. Mostly one, but like I've always said, Devin Booker's an underrated playmaker. Okay? And I think what we're going to see is a lot of... How are they going to stop the paint points, the Suns? How are you going to stop it? Because you can say Jay Crowder did a good job on Giannis or whatever you want to say. Let me tell you, that was a team effort. We had six guys in the paint and prayed they missed threes. If they want to play like that, good luck. Because we played like that. And look what happened to us against the Bucks. Right? And I'm coming at this as Giannis is healthy. Not fully healthy, 
I'm assuming he he just got upgraded to questionable today, and I'm not assuming that he's going to play. I'm assuming he'll be back by game what two. Giannis is a dog, man. The trainers can tell him whatever the fuck they want. He's going to go out there and play eventually. He's not out for the series. He's not. He's going to make an appearance in this series. And I think he'll make a very big impact in this series. And I think it's going to be very interesting to watch the adjustments these coaches make. It's going to be real fun. So I'm going to go take, we're going to take a commercial break. All right. I'm going to come back with my official prediction for the NBA finals and just a lot, a couple more things I've been thinking about on the series. All right. We'll be right back, baby. Okie dokie. We're back. So I'm looking at these box scores officially right here of the last games they played. Giannis averaged 40 for two games. Um, I actually didn't watch the second one. Did I watch the second one or did I watch the first one? Suns won both games by a point. Okay. Uh, once again, I think the first game, Drew Holiday was in COVID protocol. And P.J. Tucker uh, was on the team the second game. Um, and obviously with these rotations, you're not going to see this rotation that you're looking here. But what I do recall, if I was not mistaken on the first game, when I first, it was, I think it was before All-Star Breaker. I'm so mixed up with this All-Star Break shit. Um... Because, you know, you're off when it's late in the season. I was pretty sure it was February, but I think it was like January. Anyways, it does not matter. Um, they played a lot of guards. The Bucks did. Look at this. Pat Connington. DJ Augustine. Tory Craig. <laughs> That's not Tory Craig. There's no way. No way Tory Craig was on the Bucks. He was. <laughs> Holy shit. You know, I forgot about in the beginning of the season, man, the 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 very first part of the season, the Bucks were not that good. Do y'all remember that? Where the East was jumbled up with 500 teams other than like the 76ers and the Nets? Thought that was crazy. I was like, the Bucks aren't good this year. I totally forgot about the roster. That's so funny. But they had one, two, three, four, five, six guards play that game. I think that's very interesting. Obviously, there was no Drew Holiday that game, but I still think it's very interesting, and you're going to cut your rotations down, but at the same time, if you're giving all those guys burn and they have Jeff Teague now, that means you're trying to wear those other guards out. They're just trying to get CP3 and D-Book in either foul trouble or make them defend every possession of the game, and that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to do that to beat the Suns. Now, I don't know what the popular pick is. I know the Suns are the favorite. Two to one favorites. Obviously, with Giannis being hurt, I think it would be a good bet to pick the uh, the Bucks plus 185. I think it would be a massive. That's a good odds pick. If Giannis comes back and shit like that, he can change the series. But my official pick for this series, oh, it's been tough. I've been going back and forth. It's just like the Connor fight. It's hard for me to pick Connor right now, you know? It's just hard. But I'm going to pick him. And with my gut, my gut is saying Suns in seven. If Giannis is, if Giannis plays more than five games, if he plays five or more games, still Suns in seven. This is how they're going to win. <laughs> I'm the coach. 
I think that they have to pray. This is a real key. DeAndre Ayton's foul trouble, I know I said 100 times, and he didn't get in foul trouble once in the playoffs, it seemed like, right? They have to pray DeAndre Ayton does not get in foul trouble, or they will be fucked. You going to put Frank Kaminsky in there? You going to put Dario Saric in there? I don't think so, buddy. And another thing the Bucks have to pray, one, their star comes back, and two, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday play up to par. That is one thing I will say. Yes, Devin Booker and CP3 have had inefficient nights, but they have not had historically bad nights like we've seen from Drew Holiday. And Chris Middleton has been absolutely, to me, spectacular in these playoffs. Think him and Devin Booker are playing the same way. Think Devin Booker's probably averaging more points. But who's the better defender? Who's the better rebounder? You know? And I think Chris Middleton has a harder blowtorch right now. I'm talking about that I've seen than Devin Booker, but we haven't seen Devin Booker get hot in a while. And we're going to have to see how they guard Chris Middleton. That's going to be really interesting too. Because we've seen a lot of different ways that people guard him. Try to be aggressive with him. Make him post up. He's a pretty good post up guard. Try to play drop. Let him shoot threes. He's going to hit him eventually. Even when he's cold. He's going to have that quarter. But you have to pray if you're the Bucks That those two guys can be sufficient. You got to suffice bro. We don't have Giannis tonight. Maybe we do. I don't know. But they got to be okay. They got to go out there and ball the fuck out or they will get killed. I think they give them a run for their money tonight. I think it ends up the Suns, what, winning by 7 to 10 points. And I'm really interested to see, another thing I'm interested to see is how these games are played. We saw the Clippers series, right? The way they were played was slow. Without Kawhi, slow, gritty basketball. I don't know if I see that in this series. The Bucks like to get turnovers and run. Like to push the pace. Get transition points. Even without Giannis out there, you can't just go, oh, Giannis is out, we're slowing it down. Lower the possessions. That's not your game plan. You like to bomb from three. They like to bomb it. But also have a huge focus on the paint. And they don't have to focus on the paint. They got a dude that lives down there. And I thought it was really interesting how Robin Lopez started taking it to the Hawks in the post. Thought that was very interesting against a very good post post defender in Clint Capella. He's not the greatest defender in the world, but he is damn good. You get what I'm saying? He's not the best, but he's fucking good. And he was giving it to him. So I want to see that matchup. That's the most key matchup in my eyes. Brooke Lopez versus DeAndre Ayton. I'm not talking about points comparison. None of that. I'm talking about who is neutralizing who. Because if Robin Lopez and DeAndre Ayton are given the same output, the Bucks are winning this series in six. If you're getting the same output from Brooke Lopez as you are for DeAndre Ayton, Bucks are winning this series in six. That's just a fact. But if DeAndre Ayton's out here, and like I said, it's not about the stat sheet, man. How much is Brooke making him work? 
is Robin Lopez bringing DeAndre Ayton out of the paint, shooting threes. Maybe that's how they use him. They're going to have to pick. Bud's going to be like, do we want to open up the paint, or do we want to get this man in foul trouble, get him the fuck out? That's going to be very interesting, mostly in this game one. Because I think Robin Lopez has to be a very key... Robin. Brooke Lopez has to be a very key factor in this first game. And my dog, Bobby Portis. I think he's going to have a hard time defending people out there. Y'all know I love Bobby Portis. He's a fucking racerback. He could average two points a game. I'd say he's the third best player on the floor. I think they should build around Bobby instead of Giannis. Fuck it. I said it. (laughs) No, I think think Bobby's a very talented offensive player, though. I think he is going to get some buckets. I think Bobby Portis is built for this. Honestly, I do. He's a different... His mental... We saw it in Arkansas. His mental game... The mental edge he has is unprecedented. So, I think he's built for this. I think it's going to be a great game one. I think it is. Um, But this series will be a fucking burner, man. It's going to be a banger-ass series. And I'm so excited to watch every second of it. I've been bitching about these playoffs the whole time. Rightfully so in my eyes. Okay, I watched it. It was shit. Shitty to watch. Say little broads out. You're not interested because little broads out. No, I'm not. Fuck, man. She was ass. Ass. Blowouts every other goddamn night. And my team wasn't in it. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is going to be a burner. I cannot wait for this game where I'm so excited right now. It starts in what? 20 minutes? 20 minutes? They got a 6 p.m. tip, I believe. And Hey, man. Let's enjoy this series together. I will be back Monday. Um, I have nothing else for y'all, right? There's no other topics to talk about right now. We're doing NBA Finals. And yes, I will have my off-season special. I always, I did it last year. I'll do it this year. I was going to do it now, but with the energy of the Finals collapsing on top of me. Like a fucking tree getting struck by lightning and just falling on top of you. Something happened. It just hit me like a lightning bolt out of nowhere like yesterday. I'm like, it's a fucking NBA Finals, bro. This is going to be fucking awesome. This is literally where legends are made, man. And that is so cliche and stupid and homosexual. But it's okay to say that because it's true. It's true. And by golly. By golly, man. I think they put, I'm just going to say this, random facts. I think they put Mikael Bridges and Jay Crowder on, uh, Mikael Bridges is going to guard Chris Middleton to me. I think they'll put Devin Booker on the off-ball guy. I don't think he's going to guard Drew Holiday, but they're going to put, he's going to go out there and guard a, a forward that isn't that good at scoring. And I think Mikael Bridges is going to guard that man, Chris. Jay's going to guard Giannis. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how they adjust to that. So it is what it is, man. This podcast is a wrap. And I will be back on Monday. Y'all know what it is. I love y'all. I know I didn't go in depth in this finals. I'll come back and go more in depth if I have to. I'm, I was just I just had random thoughts and I got off work and just wanted to spill some shit out for this podcast. So y'all know I love you. Keep on listening. We're pushing forward. When I get this new apartment in like two to three weeks, the vibe will be set. I'll have a green screen.
I'll have little neon lights and shit. I was gonna get a customized neon sign, bruh. They that shit cost a thousand five hundred dollars. <laughs> I'm dead ass. So it is what it is. This channel will keep moving forward. All that shit. On this Wednesday, I'm chopping up all my videos and putting them as segments on the YouTube channel. So if you just want to watch a certain segment, go ahead. All right. Well, thank y'all for listening. Episode 64 of Shooting the Shit with Sands. I love y'all to death. And the pod goat is outdoors. Oh, baby. Wait. Camera. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. I am who I am. My name is my name. I don't know why I do a uh, Disney, you know, cartoon animation uh, vocal number every time I open a podcast. I am who I am. My name is my name. And welcome to episode 64 of Shooting the Shit with Sands, man. What's popping? How we doing? Oh man, what a what a great time in the NBA! What the news? You know, there's not a lot of big topics, right? It's just the finals. Um, <laughs> but let's get into the actual news that's coming out. I open Twitter. I see that Rachel Nichols has said something about Maria Taylor. Okay. Um. And I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to talk about those comments. Um, if you want me to be completely honest. And this this may get a little political. I don't have a stance on politics. Whatsoever. I have stances. Like I believe in certain shit. But I'm not on one team or the other. Okay. But I will say these, these radical left people. If someone says something demeaning or... Or something that's wrong to a, a black person, they're called a racist. I thought nothing that Rachel Nichols said was racist in that whole thing. Right? I thought she called out her corporate office, was like, yo, I, y'all have a long standing backlash about your diversity. And if that's what you want to do, cool. But I don't want to be the victim of that. Now was her as a white woman turning it into she is the oppressed one? Make it look good? No. I thought that LeBron James's little spokesperson there should have got the most heat out of everybody. Why, why did nobody mention what he said? He's a spokesperson for one of the most socially conscious athletes well, the most socially conscious athlete that I've had in my lifetime. Not talking about all time. The shit Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had to go through. Uh, Luau Cinder, you know, uh, formerly. I know it's the same person. Cassius Clay, a.k.a. Muhammad Ali. Those guys, the shit they had to go through. Bill Russell. Things of that nature. Doesn't compare, you know. But LeBron is still socially conscious. And his dude just in there like, yeah, all this shit that my athlete that I'm the spokesperson for is the face of, of the NBA, is getting real fucking exhausting. <laughs> Whoa. Um, all right, that's good.